Um, you know, the Go team picked out this, this theme of uh, kingdom ambassadors, and we've been talking about that uh, for a few weeks now, talking about, you know, what, what that looks like a little bit locally, but mostly out on the edges of the earth, what that looks like on the distant lands. And I hope, I hope you catch that the church's role in that is not small. It is a big deal. The, the, the church's role in that is huge, and it's a support role. It's really the same ministry we have. Missionaries, we, we are support missionaries. We come alongside and help the work progress. And you all have the very same opportunity to do so uh, in, in many of the same things. Some of the technical ways, I'm sure some of you guys could do. Um, but in prayer, in support, financially, emotionally, connected behind, you have a lot of the same opportunities to support missions in the same way that we do. Um, so one thing we got to do recently, we got to go down to Hawaii. And uh, that happened because some, some good dear friends of ours gifted us a vacation. Uh, life, life is a, well, it's kind of dark. Is there any way that we can lower the light up here a little bit? Maybe not. Uh, the, and so life as a missionary isn't always bad. Sometimes you're given some very amazing gifts. And this was, this was probably the first time my wife and I had had the opportunity to do this since we had kids. And so we spent a week out in Maui and just had some time to reflect and think about uh, think of this message a little bit. The good news is I wasn't doing any homework, so I wasn't, wasn't working at all, but just a chance, chance to reflect a little bit on, on some of these subjects. And so uh, in, in reflection, I could spend a lot of time talking to about some of the amazing things that God is doing in Venezuela. It would be encouraging. It would be great. But there's something else that kind of God kind of, kind of put on my mind or kind of motivated me to share with you this morning. So we're going to try to do that, okay? So... Uh, it's official. Engineers can alliterate. Thank you, Pastor Rich, wherever you're at here. The, uh, this, this is, oh, there you are in the back there. So we, we, this is possible to do. Um, there's three, three things I want to talk to you about this morning, okay, for the kingdom ambassador. One is our message. The second is our method, how, the how. And the third is our motivation. And one thread I want to see through all, all three of these things is the how. So often we talk about what we should do. And this morning I want to talk about how we do it, okay, more so the, the how. Okay, so first, let's, let's talk about message. And uh, if, you, if, you put your, uh, your, if you open up your Bible, look for 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to be in, in 2 Corinthians 5 all morning. Rather than an uh, expository-style message this morning, which I, I do like those, but uh, since this is kind of one-off, this is a little bit more thematic, so but we are going to be looking at a few different things in 2 Corinthians. Um, so to start out with here, we're going to look at uh, our role here. So I'm going to come down and read this here together. It says, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God was making an appeal through us. Be reconciled to God. Okay? So Paul's here is talking about what our message is, and the, the, the quick summary of it is be reconciled to God. Okay? That, that's his message. message. And then he, he goes on. The very, very next verse, he starts talking out just a little bit of what that's talking about. He says, he made him to, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Okay, so that's a little micro version of the gospel there uh, Paul's talking about. And when I, when I start hearing or when I start thinking about the gospel, it, it gets me a little excited. Uh, and so there's my, one of my favorite places to explain what the gospel is and what the message is, is back in the book of John. So we're going we're gonna to take a quick little detour over here and look at John and uh, talk about what it looks like to be reconciled to God. Okay, this is the, this is the how part. So in John 20, almost the very end of the book of John, uh, he makes a statement here. He says, These things have been written so 
And these things, he's talking about the stories that John picked out about Jesus. You know, if you compare John to the other Gospels, he picked different stories. He, diff- he, picked, he quoted different things. He, John picked out the things in Jesus' life that, to communicate this message. And what is that message? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing you'd have life in his name. So, you know, whenever you read a bit of um, any bit of writing, whether it's a text message or a book or anything else, what you, when you're reading, to understand it properly, you're looking for what the author intended. You know, the author's in, like, what, what the author was thinking when he wrote, that's what it means. And so ever, I, I think that this verse is kind of like a little Rosetta Stone in the Bible, cause, uh, or especially John's writing, because he's explaining, he tells you why he wrote. He, These things have been written so. So he kind of is telling you the why behind what he writes. So we're going to look at, real quickly, one of, um, one of my favorite passages in John, um, one of Jesus' statements, and kind of apply this, understanding this in the background. This is why John was writing. We can look at this. Okay, so John, John 11, Jesus is making some very powerful statements. Again, I'm sure these are familiar to you. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who believes in me and lives in me will never, ever die. Okay, so I, I think of that as like one of the most succinct explanations of the gospel or of, of the kingdom message in the whole scriptures. And we even know, because we know what John was thinking when he was writing or putting all this together, we know the motivation behind it, that he's telling us what the conditions are. He's telling us what the message is, is that we need to believe. Um, and so, you know, as part of, uh, so if you had to summarize this whole first point, again, if, you, if you're an organized thinker, the message we have is be reconciled to God. That's our message. And the how of that is by believing the gospel. Okay? It's pretty, pretty straightforward, pretty simple. We're not, no, no rocket science here. Um, but I, I have a little bit of, uh, little, little bit of science here. I, I, as, you know, back in Bible school, we, we spent some time studying the gospel, for sure. And uh, as part of getting some of the classes prepped and prepared, we kind of walked through the scriptures a little bit and did some extra studying. We wanted to be sure that we were being clear. And so, uh, kind of boiled things down to these six points. And I think this matches... Um, what, what a lot of folks are familiar with. In fact, I found John Piper, American author and pastor, uh, literally in these exact same things, and he used much nicer words than I used. So I kind of, I'm kind of stealing some of his words here this morning. I need to give some credit to him. Um, but there's six things, I think, that make up the content of the gospel, like what it is that we're supposed to be believing. So I want to just quickly look at these with you here. The first one, that God exists. Like the, the whole conversation doesn't really even get started until you believe that God exists. So that's some, one thing that we need to be believing. Uh, in order to be hearing the message right. The second one is that we're a sinner. Like, we've, we've messed up, we've done things wrong. Uh, that's kind of, again, background information for the message. Uh, number three, sin separates us from a holy God. There's kind of two bits of information in there. One in there is that a little bit about God's nature, being good, being holy, being perfect, uh, and a little bit about what sin does and it being separating us, causing death, causing separation. So that's the, that's the background of the gospel. And, you know, for a Jewish believer reading John or a Jewish believer listening to Jesus speak, he would have had these ideas in his mind already. That's, that's kind of Old Testament truth. That's, that's not a New Testament concept. Uh, so that's just like the background. But then Jesus does reveal some things that are new. And so uh, the first was that Jesus was who he said he was. He was Messiah. He was God. So that's an important part of his life, what he was. I think the next part of it is that Jesus died on the cross for you and I. There was, there was payment made. Yeah, that's an important part of the gospel. And the last one on here, that Jesus rose again, and if you believe, you will too. 
Okay? So those six things, and that, that second part there is the, that's the content of the gospel. That's the life, death, and resurrection. When you, when you, if you study the gospel formally, that's, you'd see that that is what it is. So those six points together, that, that is the content of our message, uh, is that by believing these things, you're, you're justified. You're legally declared right. There's, there's, the penalty has been paid, and we're restored into a right relationship with God. We're, we are reconciled um, by those things, okay? So then becomes our message is believe in him. Now, I'm assuming for a lot of you folks that, that, is, that is good news, but hopefully not new news. And if, if you're here and that's new news, well, I'm glad that you got a chance to hear it. But I think for a lot of folks, that's old news. But what I want to talk about next um, is actually... A little bit different. So this is, this is a, if you're keeping track, this is point number two, uh, method. How is it that we live? What is, this is talking about our Christian life. So once, once we have believed, what do we do next? And so, uh, again, focusing on the how. I think the how is so important. And so, again, going back, let's go back and look at the, the, the thematic passage for, the, for these Go Focus Weeks. It's been 2 Corinthians 5. And he says, we live by believing, not by seeing. Okay? If you have this passage memorized, you probably have it memorized. We, live, we, walk by, or we walk by faith, not by sight. Does that sound more, a little more familiar to you? And you know, believing and faith, it's the same, it's the same thing. Uh, if you go back to the Greek, the root word for believe and the root word for faith are the same. They're the same word. One's the noun, one's the verb. But it's the same, it's the same thing, okay? The... So that is how we live. And then he goes on to say, um, and so rather than look just the, uh, in Corinthians, I want to take a little broader scope and look at some other passages that kind of talk about that reality of, of living by believing, not by seeing. And, you know, I apologize, Rich, if I'm stealing any of your thunder on this. You know, a few weeks ago he talked about some people really love the book of Galatians. They were all about it. And I, I, I admit I'm one of those people uh, so, yes, here we're going to take a few of these. And Paul gets a little feisty here in Galatians. I'm trying to use a translation that captures a little bit of that feistiness. And so see if you can keep that in mind as we read this. It says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. Hopefully that matches up to what I was just saying ago in the blue circles. You know, that, that's talking about our message. But then Paul, he goes on to say something. It says, how foolish can you be? Having started your lives in the Spirit, are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Human effort. Uh, a lot of your translations are going to call that the flesh. Uh, and if you take anything away from this message, this is one of the things I want you to take away. Human effort is not the method that God has prescribed for us for growing and maturity. Okay? Human effort is not the plan. Okay? There, there, there's a different plan. And... He talks about it here in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Okay. So, our, if you want to summarize this whole point, is our, our, we, our, our method is living by believing, believing in our new identity, who we are in Christ. And I want to talk about this new identity. You know, some folks refer to it as uh, your positional truth. Uh, I call it identity truth. There's lots of different ways of talking about it, but this, this identity is, is such a huge part of who we are. And I want to explain this by way of illustration. Okay? By way of illustration. So you got some bananas here. So if you've if you ever been out in a faraway place and uh, run into kids, 
kids live on the streets in places, and these are in, in tough places, Southeast Asia, Haiti. Uh, there's an, any number of places you could go where you'd see kids living on the street, and they're, they're survivors. They um, you know, are orphans, however you want to describe it, but they, they steal, and they, they find places to live, and it's challenging. And so if you imagine for yourself for a moment, um, you're, you're a parent, and you take a trip down, and you meet some of these kids, and you pick one, and you take them home. You can adopt them into your family, kind of a rescue operation, if you will. And you bring them into your family, and you go down to Market of Choice, and you're walking through, and you go down the proto style, and man, everything looks pretty good down there. The, uh, you're walking through the aisle, and the kid, he's, he's going to see, see all the bananas. What is his first inclination? What's his, what is he going to do? I think he's going to end up with one of these in his pocket pretty fast. It's just going to kind of be there. And you ask, ask yourself, why, why is that? Well, I think it's tied to his identity. He, he's a survivor. He's a street kid. Like, to, to survive, I'm going to take what I need. Uh, I'm going to provide for myself. I, that's what I'm going to do is to survive. Okay? It's, and it's wrapped up in who he thinks he is. So then we have to ask ourselves, when we, how are we going to overcome that stealing? Are we going to teach him the laws about shoplifting? Are we going to go take him to the Benton County Courthouse or the jail and kind of show him the process of what happens here in this country if you do that? Um, are we going to institute a regime of punishment or discipline that's going to change the work on changing who he is? You know, I, there's, there might be benefit to some of those things, but that's, that's not the real solution. The real solution, as a parent, I think would be, is to uh, have him experience life where he is cared for and provided for, his needs are net. He would come to recognize his new identity, that he is a child of mine, he will be provided for. And the, I think he ends up, stops, he stops stealing as a side effect of believing that he's my son. Not as a, not because we've told him, Here, here's the structure, here's the rules you need to live in, but his change happens when it wells up inside and realizes that he is someone else. He's, his identity has changed. And I think the reality is, is that uh, for believers in Christ, the very same thing is true for us, okay? We will stop or not or whatever, fill in the blank there, as the side effect of believing who we are in Christ. And I, you, know, you could pick a million different examples to talk about this. One that I, I picked out here to talk about this morning is a believer uh, with an eating disorder, okay? Someone who um, chooses to eat differently in order to gain a body image, and it really is abusing themselves to gain that body image, Okay? They do so so that they would look like what other people expect them to look like. Uh, they're chronically dissatisfied with who, who they are. Okay? And so what do we do in that situation? We, we come alongside and share some health education or th- threats of, you know, these are the consequences if you keep doing that. And the, I think that's tough. The you know, lasting victory, is that going to come by instituting this external part of that? Or does lasting change happen when the person realizes who they are, who they are in Christ, that they are loved by their heavenly Father, and they don't need the um, they don't need the satisfaction, they don't need their peers saying that they are okay. Uh, when they're able to look in the mirror and see themselves as a child of God, loved by their heavenly Father, I think that is the it's the root point from which life springs up and a change happens. Um, to the extent that we, we we can be a lot like that kid uh, who even though his stomach is full and his refrigerator at home is full, can be stealing, can be doing things in the world, 
and suffering needlessly as needy people, even though all our needs have been met in Christ. Hope you see the contrast here. There's two, there's two methods to dealing with sin in our life. The first one is legalism. Legalism says that that's wrong, do what's right. Okay, it's, it's, it's purely just dealing with the, the outward part of things. And fear and threats, those are the motivators. Uh, and legalism, I think, when, you, when, it run, when it's run its course, causes frustration, anxiety, alienation from each other and from God. Okay? And it, the tragedy is that many believers, I think, experience that, and they don't like, uh, experience the, the life that comes from um, knowing their identity in Christ and the freedom that it brings. So I'm saying the second option um, is the exchanged life, okay? And let me just briefly, again, I apologize. I'm an engineer, so I'm going to explain this chart as a flowchart here. But So you have uh, wrong actions, wrong attitudes, values, the bad stuff we do. I think that's all stuff is based on something. It's based on uh, a root of sin in our life uh, and a root of wrong beliefs about who we are, what we need, what we're doing. All that, the, the, the fruit is a function of the, the beliefs, so if we work down here in the belief land and change our thinking, uh, if we believe something different about what the, what, what, that we are a new creature in Christ, all of a sudden our, our thoughts, our beliefs can change. And from that change of beliefs, change of thinking, all of a sudden springs out right actions, attitudes, values. The change happens at the belief level, the fruit happens afterwards. And I think that is the kind of change that results in long-lasting life change. Uh, and when we're trying to move in maturity in the Christian walk, that is, that is where growth occurs. Okay? The, the Bible's call is not do, do, do in order to be a Christian. The message is uh, believe and act consistently with who you are. Okay? So that's what it's all about, is acting consistently with who you are. Okay? So summarizing... Uh, what is our method? Our method is believing in him. And you're going to say, hey, Jeremy, you, you, you've been in here for a little while. You said you had a three-point sermon. That sounds like a lot like one-point sermon, right? Those, those sound awfully similar, believing in him and believing in him living in us. I, I say to you, that's a good thing those sound similar because if you look over here in Colossians, what does it say? It says, as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him. How did we receive him? Well, we believed. How do we walk in him? We believe. It's just, it's, there's two of them. There's not just one. There's two of them. We have to believe who we are in Christ. Okay? So we started with the kingdom message. We talked about kingdom growth. Uh, I want to pause here for just a moment and share kind of a personal note. Um, if, when, you, when you get engaged in ministry, uh, you'll, you'll be overwhelmed with the needs. And, and the truth of the matter is, is, you know, even right here in this room, there's an immense amount of spiritual needs. If you expand out a little bit, Corvallis, lots of needs. Oregon, lots of needs. United States, wow, lots of needs. This whole world, very, very needy. Okay? And, you know, that's one thing about short-term trips is you go off on a short-term trip, and even with your eyes closed, you can see the needs. So I think they're kind of an eye-opening experience for a lot of people. Um, but kind of more, more personal level, can I bring it back? If I try to meet my identity, who I am, meet my deepest needs by serving I'm going to come up empty. And, then, and that, what that looks like for a lot of people is being drained and burned out. I don't know if you're familiar with those phrases or have ever experienced that. But the truth of the matter is there's always more work to be done. There's always more money to be given. There's always more effort to be invested. There's always more. And the, the Bible teaches something a little different. It teaches rest. 
you know, come all who are heavy burdened, my yoke is light, I will give you rest. When our theology and our practice don't result in peace and rest, we've messed something up at a very deep level. I believe that if we, have, if we find our identity in Christ, if we find our purpose in Christ, that we can experience rest and peace in an amazing way. Okay? If you've never studied these identity truth principles or these positional truth principles, I'd encourage you, they're very important. They're, they're the core, the essential teachings of the scriptures for how we should be living. Uh, the, the, this, this message this morning is kind of a 35-minute version of about 15 hours of stuff that uh, I've had the privilege of working with several people uh, as teachers and as organizers and putting together the core classes. I'd encourage you, if, if, that, if those are new subjects for you, you absolutely should come Check out some of the classes. Um, time has been invested, not just by me, lots of people. Lots of people don't get the stage time that I do to, to talk about it, but uh, they, we dive into these identity issues, and they are important. Okay? Uh, the last thing here uh, I want to talk about is motivation. And this is really to the mature people here in this room uh, who already understand your identity in Christ. But let's take a look here again from Second Corinthians. It says, our goal is to please him. We must all stand before Christ to be judged. We'll each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in this earthly body. Paul goes on to say in the very next verse here, he says, because we understand the fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. If you're using a little bit more literal translation, that phrase, that fearful responsibility to the Lord, that's translated the fear of the Lord. Uh, this, is, this is a serious subject. It's not... It's not, a, it's not a small bit here. This is, this is almost as important as it gets. So l- looking through the, what I just read there, I've identified three aspects, uh, three motivations that I think that power um, mature believers into kingdom ambassador work. Okay? The first one is to please him or to worship him. The second one is to be rewarded by him. And the third one is knowing our responsibility to him. Okay, so we're going to look at each of these just briefly here. Uh, this, this concept of uh, pleasing him or worshiping him, I think that, I think as a response to grace, uh, the amazing grace that we receive, this is kind of a natural response. Um, but I think it's also core to our understanding of who God is and how, how this all works together. If you've never studied the book of Romans, you should, okay? Then just, we'll start with that. You, you should study it. There's lots of ways to do so. There, there's small group Bible studies that meet throughout the year that go over that. You've never gone over this one-on-one with somebody. It's a great thing to do. I would encourage you. In fact, I would invite you. You can come do so with me, with my wife, uh, or we can hook you up with someone who would. Going through the Book of Romans is very, very powerful because it integrates everything together. Uh, and there, there's a progression to Romans that is so important to understand that, that Romans 3 happens first, before Romans 6, before Romans 12. There's a, there is a arc, there is a, a flow through the book that is important to understand for really getting what it's talking about, but it's important for us as believers to be living our life in this arc in the right order, okay? So again, you pro- a lot of you probably have these verses memorized, but let's just take a look at them just real quick here. So talking about our message, this is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are being justified as a gift by his grace. Hopefully that matches up to what I was talking about earlier this morning when we were talking about message. Um, but that's, that's the message in a nutshell here in Romans. You go on to Romans 6, talking about the method of life. Now we have died with Christ. We believe we shall live with him. He died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That phrase, even so, consider yourself, 
That's a belief statement right there. You're considering, you're choosing to believe something about yourself. What are you choosing to believe? They exchanged life, being from, you were dead, and you're choosing to count that as dead, and being alive in Christ. And so this is talking about the exchanged life. This is talking about believing who we are in Christ. That is the foundation of our method of walking. So once those two things have happened, and in that order, you get to the spot in Romans 12 where he says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Until we've experienced the grace and mercy of God, it's impossible to have right motivations to serve. And so we we need to get those things in the right order uh, so that we're able to serve with right motivations. And once we have those things, I think the motivations for serving come naturally. We don't even have to—it comes up from inside of us. Um, so again, there's the broad picture of Romans, how that fits in to everything. Okay, and the second thing I saw here in the Second Corinthians passage was talking about being rewarded by Him. A lot of people don't like talking about rewards these days. They say you know rewards are selfish. I disagree with that. The uh, I think there's a difference. The, if when our kids down over here memorize Bible verses and they get uh, ice cream for that, is that a bad thing? Or when you know high school students go and work hard all through high school. They're rewarded with scholarships. Is that a bad thing? I don't, I don't think so. I, don't, I think there's a difference between self-interest and selfishness. Okay, there's a difference between those two. And even if you don't agree with me, that, that's fine. Uh, the, the, the New Testament is so full of passages talking about rewards. A uh, person's kind of, I think they're on, they're on their own if they choose to ignore them. So uh, I mean, there's so many passages that we could talk about. Again, I'm going to steal one of the Galatians ones just because I like it so much. Um, let us... N- not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Almost every passage that talks about rewards has a little mini warning in it. Okay, the warning in this one is don't lose heart, don't grow weary. Okay, that's, that's quite possible for all of us to do. We can lose heart we can, and we can stop doing good. Okay, that, that is a distinct possibility. But the encouragement there is you will be rewarded if you don't. Okay, so there, there, that, that, is, that is a... Um, there's something at risk when we do that. Okay, my next favorite passage talking about the talking about rewards. Actually, depending on unless your typesetter put only like a few words in the last page of your Bible, this is probably on the very very last page of your Bible. And uh, John records Jesus in, in this revelation, talking, "Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to render it each man according to what he has done." And for for you mature believers who are here today. I'm here to remind you that what you do matters. What we choose to do matters. And a little bit of long-term investment advice for you. I was going to invite Donnie Carpenter to come up here, but he's already moved down to Texas. But uh, some, some free long-term investment advice. You're going to outlive your 401k. A uh, few million years, meaning a long time. You need to be investing in something long-term. Okay, we'll just we'll leave it as simple as that. Um, the, this, this final thing is probably, I think, the heaviest part of this, this whole little bit that you can take from the Second Corinthians. Okay, talks about our responsibility to him. Look what, look what Paul has to say here. It says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. You'll note that he doesn't say that he was encouraging you to the word of reconciliation or that he was in, uh, thinking he was sharing the word of reconciliation with you. It actually says he was committed 
committed to you the word of reconciliation. It wasn't, it's not optional. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a responsibility that we all have. You know, it's my responsibility, it's your responsibility, and it's the church's responsibility. Around the world, when, when there's people living in places where they have not heard, the, the jungle people in southern Amazon, the, they're wherever the world you want to talk about, that haven't heard the gospel, it's because someone in the, the church with big C, someone hasn't sent or someone hasn't gone. That's why. It's, it's our responsibility. Uh, it's our responsibility here. It's our responsibility everywhere. When someone in Corvallis hasn't heard the good news, it's because someone in Corvallis hasn't shared the word. Someone in the big C, all the believers in Corvallis, it's all our job collectively. It's not, it's not an individual mandate. It, it's, a, it's a corporate mandate. It's a collective mandate. And it's all our jobs together to figure this out. It's a team effort. We all need to be engaged. There's lots of great ways of doing that. Okay, but I, I want you to catch that it's not optional. It, it's our job. Okay. Uh, Paul then goes on to say a little bit more on the same subject here. He says, Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God is making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Okay. So that's where the whole theme for this whole shoot match came from, is we are Christ's ambassadors as though God was making an appeal through us. That, that is the reality Okay, just to summarize here, make sure we're not losing anyone, we talked about our message. We talked about the method for Christian living or the message for kingdom ambassador living, and we talked about our motivation for, as mature believers, what is our motivation for serving, okay? And what was the answer to those things? The first one is be reconciled by believing the gospel. That's our message, okay? Uh, Every time you see one of those OSU powered by orange stickers, I want you to remember this middle one here. Our method for living the Christian life our method for growing in the Christian life, our method for life is we're powered by his life in us. We're powered by believing in our new nature. Okay? And finally, when you're thinking about this ambassador this ambassador that you are, be, be encouraged, be reminded that we have been given this ministry. It was, it was a gift to us to serve, um, but it's our responsibility along with that. I'm going to invite Steve to come up here next. Uh, you know, you guys, everyone knows Steve. Uh, I, you know, I've been around for a while, but Steve's been around, makes my little while, or my while seem like a little while, but, you know, Steve and Lori, along with uh, Phil and Sharon Dowd, were co-mentors of our young marriage group that was here about 11 years ago when we showed up, and uh, man, the, the relationships and connections that we made through that time uh, were hugely impactful and empowering and kind of propelled us into ministry, along with many folks from this church. Uh, the relationships and friendships from that time uh, really kind of form the bedrock of our support team as missionaries, both, you know, friends to relate to, people to connect to, financial supporters, uh, prayer supporters, like the people that those connections were a huge part of sending us out. This whole church as a whole also is a massive part, like 80% of our support comes from here, from the people of this church. And so we truly are your missionaries uh, more so than any place else. And so one thing I want to just briefly mention, Steve leads the GO team. Uh, the GO team is a team that's here at North of Sills to assist and enable this body to be making an impact in the world. That's why the team exists. There's a chance to, to connect with them. Uh, go uh, visit with them next Sunday morning, 9 a.m. over in W4. And it's basically just a chance to, to chat, find out what's going on, figure out how you can get involved. Um, my encouragement to you is that it's, uh, it's not optional. Uh, how's that go? 
<laughs> the, uh, Steve's up here, and, he, and they, there's a card passed out when you first came in this morning talking about some, uh, some things to do here. In fact, I think I even have one this hour. These little guys. Steve's going to talk about this here more in a second, but just to encourage and remind you from every generation, whether Steve's generation, my generation, all the ones in between and ones in the future, we're all uh, taking seriously this calling to be ambassadors, uh, and we're going to take the message out to every generation. So thanks for being here this morning, Steve. You're up. The advantage of working with young marriages is it helps you stay younger. <laughs> <laughs> So real quickly, um, you can tell we've been focusing on this uh, kingdom of heaven and ambassadors. And uh, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Probably sounds familiar, right? Charles Dickens, Tale of Two Cities. That was written a long time ago, but uh, I'd never heard the rest of it, 1859. And there's a big contrast here, plenty a picture, plenty, a picture of nothing. So two very different worlds. And I liken this to being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and being a citizen here on earth. We're both. They both have responsibilities and they both have privileges. But uh, I never read the rest of it. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age... can't read that in the red very well. Let me look here. What does that say? Yeah. Okay, here we go. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was a season of light. It was a season of darkness. It was a spring of hope. It was a winter of despair. We had everything before us. We had nothing before us. Uh, And then he goes on. We were all going direct to heaven. We were all going direct the other direction, the other way. You know, what's going on here? Uh, strong contrast. And then, I love this last part he had on there. In short, this period was so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on its being received, for good or for evil, in the superlative degree of comparison only. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds a lot like 2016 in the United States uh, in maybe some of our government. So... um, just want to repeat again, if you compare these two citizenships, we're not in heaven yet, but in Christ, our citizenship is even now in heaven. And what a contrast to our citizenship here in the world. As uh, Jeremy just said, we've been sent out as ambassadors. An ambassador is somebody who is a citizen of one country and is sent to another country to represent his real country. And if we believe we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, then, as Jeremy just pointed out, we have been sent down here to this place we call earth to represent the kingdom of heaven here. So here's a few ways you can work as an ambassador. Uh, It really helps. A a worldview is how do I think about things? How do I believe what's true How do I believe how to live? And there's a biblical worldview, which is obviously based on the Bible, God's Word. And if that's your your belief, that will allow you to move and follow and be a good ambassador. Some ways you can go. uh, You can go, like the Michelsons, or we have 12 uh, 
teams or individuals in this church that we support around the world. And some of them are, are literally around the world. Some are, you know, not maybe even here in the U.S. Uh, you can even go and go down and be a volunteer at Love, Inc., Love in the Name of Christ, helping needy people here who don't have much hope. You can pray. You, we can all pray. We can pray together. We can pray individually. If you'd like to, we have a missionary prayer team. And the, anybody can join that. We meet twice a month. But we also, you can get on a missionary. We have a go prayer list. You can receive uh, updates for prayer requests from our missionaries. Out in the lobby, on any of the tables, you can check off. I'd like to be involved in some of these different things. Put your name and some information there, and we'll see that you can do that. You can welcome international students. There's a couple thousand international students here now. They'd love to get to meet some Americans and find out we don't, we don't act like you see on TV. We're, you know, we're some decent people. And uh, there's also a welcoming international team we have, and you can, you can uh, get involved with that. You could sponsor a Timothy student. The uh, students over in uh, Uganda that work with our missionaries there are really are sponsored by and them and uh, get involved that way as well. All of this is for God's glory. It's not for us. It's for him. So thank you for coming. I want to offer a quick prayer, and then uh, Mark and the worship team will be back up here to uh, close the service. Heavenly Father, Thank you that you have called us around the world, even closer, maybe as close as walking across the street to meet our own neighbor, to tell about Jesus. And that's where it all is, Lord. And we just thank you that we have this opportunity. We have people in this church who support this ministry. And Lord, we ask you to guide us, and we just praise you in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.